Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Chapter number four, this will conclude our Practice Makes Perfect series today going to talk about this or this morning rather eyes on the prize eyes on the prize first timothy chapter number four next month we'll be going through a series of the power to be witnesses the power to be witnesses but this will conclude this morning first timothy four verse number seven this morning verses seven and eight the bible says these words But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. That word exercise there means train. Train thyself rather unto godliness. Right away we understand that that takes effort and work, doesn't it? Effort and work. Verse number eight, for bodily exercise profiteth little. It doesn't say it doesn't profit anything, just says it profiteth little. I believe little in, uh, in the view of what godliness profits. Godliness is profitable unto, the Bible says, all things having promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. And so bodily exercise profits some. doesn't say it doesn't profit any, but in the context of something that it's profiting toward temporal and then something that's profiting toward eternal concerning godliness in all things. And it said specifically, not just this life that now is, but even that one which is to come. So it it exceeds the level of temporal to the eternal. So this morning we want to talk about eyes, eyes on the prize today. Lord Jesus, we need you, Lord, in the next few moments. God, that you're able to help us this morning, God, as we turn our minds and our attention towards you. God, in this series, God, that we have been, I pray, Lord, you're able to take us by the hand one more time. God, lead us, Lord Jesus, through scriptures today. God, that will help us, Lord, keep the main thing, the main thing, so to speak, O Lord. I pray, God, and help us, Jesus, each and every one, to learn of your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody say amen. You may be seated this morning in the name of, <clears throat> in the name of Jesus Christ. A um, few things just to prod our minds here just real quickly. And there may be not many of us have, but there are those that said among us that perhaps could answer these for us concerning what, 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 you know, the countries that other people may have visited outside of the United States that did not speak the English language, that whenever they visited them, there were no doubt, if they didn't know the language themselves, some language barriers or challenges that they faced as a result of the different languages that was spoken in another country. Maybe not even just a language barrier, but a culture barrier that was there. And so that's some of the challenges that they faced, communication barriers, culture barriers being in groups of different languages and different cultures. They even have created apps today for the purpose of trying to translate uh, languages make that that uh, that that journey or that visit a little bit less stressful uh, for both parties by virtue of making some apps that can translate the language or translate what you say in the the country in which you're visiting's language. 
But uh, as we attempt to communicate, whether it be in business or friendship or in the church or in faith, whatever it may be, sometimes things can get lost in translation. We talked even a little bit about this Wednesday, really, and I didn't plan for all this kind of to go like this, but things kind of get lost in translation. You know, you have a intended idea or you have a intended action, and then it's not communicated properly. And so there are, that's where largely most of our misunderstandings come from. Misunderstandings come from is what is received is not what was uh, transmitted, so to speak, or what, you know, what I thought was transmitted is not what was received on the other end. And so things are lost in translation. But in our process of living for the Lord, in our what we would call discipleship, being disciples of the Lord, as we progress from the old nature that the Apostle Paul spoke of and the new nature that we are endeavoring to get to, it's possible sometimes to get lost between the journey of from the old even to the new. But in that instance, it's not so much that we're getting lost in translation as much as we're getting lost in transition. Getting lost in transition. There are times, and this is important today, and we'll, we'll kind of settle here just a little bit this morning. There are times, even it, you can be a good 25-year-old Christian, that we can, and watch my words here, we can get caught up in the spiritual disciplines that are necessary for our transition from the old man to the new man that ultimately we have lost the purpose for the disciplines. We've lost the purpose for the disciplines. Years ago, whenever I was a young lad in school and growing up, they had what was known as uh, President Fitness Awards. Anybody remember those? You would go and you'd have to do so many setups, so many push-ups, run a mile in a certain amount of time. They even had the rope that extended to the ceiling on the gym. You had to shimmy up that rope. Uh, we even had this board that had hose in it and looked like wooden dowel rods that you kind of had to just use your upper body strength in order to go up that. And probably still somewhere in one of my sheds with cobwebs on it, I still got some presidential awards patches you could get put on your your clothes. Mom never did put them on for me. But you could get president. She surprised says, well, I didn't know about it. Look, I'm making her feel bad right now. But presidential. Well, if I bring them over this afternoon, will you put them on? No, I'm doing <laughs> Presidential award patches that I got or or even sometimes certificate president it had the signature of the president of the United States on that and, and in order back then sometimes in order even to pass successfully you had to be able to do this stuff uh, but by and large and, and I did pretty well I was an active kid but by and large those that really did well were those that were involved in some types of sports team they might have ran track or they were already involved in basketball they involved in some type of team uh, athletic program because they were accustomed to doing setups and push-ups and running and all those things just for the purpose of being able to participate in their game or participate in their sport their goal of course was winning at the game or becoming good at whatever sport they were involved in now most kids i would say by and large are not totally excited about doing a bunch of push-up setups or running a lot of adults for sure are not but doing setups they're not excited about that but those that are involved in team sports, it's not so much uh, uh, the rigorous training that they're excited about. It's about playing the basketball. 
It's about being involved in the football team or the tennis, whatever, soccer, all these things because they knew those exercises and those practices that they had during the week was for the purpose of transitioning them just from the normal Joe Blow into a good athlete for whatever sport it was that they were involved. They had an ultimate goal. But in recent times, in today's world, there are now programs you correct me if I'm wrong, there are programs and competitions that are entirely based just on the training exercises. There are things out there today called CrossFit. And that is all for the purpose of competing in those training things. Setups, push-ups, running. It's all about the training. And they're competing. Who can be who can do better? Who can, you know, you know, boxers years ago, man, would do hundreds and hundreds, if not uh, of, of, of setups and, and push-ups and jump rope for hours upon end and run miles, but it was all for the preparation of being in the boxing ring. Now people mutilize their mutilize their bodies just for the purpose who can do more setups? Who can do more push-ups? And they do all that, and where they get done, it's not to be involved in some type of sporting arena. That is the event, competing in how many push-ups or setups someone can do. And so if you can say this morning, they remain in a certain sense lost in transition because there's no ultimate goal except of what they're doing itself. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know it help, helps your health and all that type of stuff, but... By and large, it's not for them to play basketball, football. It's just to do the sit-ups, the push-ups, so on and so forth, with no, no ultimate goal beyond being the one that can do the most. I say that to say this. We can get lost in spiritual disciplines as children of God sometimes, that we pray and we fast and we read our Bible and we do those things, but we don't have no ultimate purpose of why we do them. I guess what I'm saying is this. We can have a... Because you say, well, why do you pray? Well, that's what I'm supposed to do. Well, see, that's not really the best answer. <laughs> or that's what I'm expected to do. That's not really the best answer either. Sometimes in our spiritual journeys, we can get involved in doing those things that we've done maybe since we first come to know the Lord. But brother, what, the way that our uh, brother Mason, our, 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 our administrative pastor would say, and those in leadership will understand this, you need to know your why. Why do we do these things? When we look at the new man to the old man or the old man to the new man translation, you can read of this in, in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 and Ephesians chapter number 5 hold some of these things of what was necessary, what it took concerning going from the old man to the new man. And I'm just going to run through a few of these things. I have several of them written down along the margins of my paper. If you can see that, isn't that a mess? How does this guy even teach off stuff like that? But whenever you look at it, uh, our, our new walk requires, you can read this in Ephesians 4, our new walk requires a long suffering. Let me break that down to a more modern word we can put our hands on, patience. Our, our new, boy, I know that's right. Our new walk requires patience. Furthermore, the apostle Paul said that, that the ministry of people, those apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists, those ministry of people that God places in our lives, he said was for the perfecting or for our maturity, for our growth. He also tells us that our go, here it is, you ready? This is the big why of everything we do. 
all right? This is the big why of our prayer, our fasting, our showing up at church, the big why of everything we do in verse 13 of Ephesians 4. Our goal is to become like Christ. Yeah. Our goal is to be formed in his image. He's our standard. Pastor's not my standard. Husband or wife's not my standard. It's to be like Christ. I'm not in competition with any of you. We're not in this CrossFit game seeing who can do the most setups. For terminology, we're not in this game to see who can pray the longest. Who can fast more days than the other. Our big why is to become like Christ. In verse 14, Paul said that we were called to rise above being children or, 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 or rise above being immature, if you will. And for that matter, rise above from being carried to and fro here and there. What are you saying? Sometimes in the spirit, we got spiritual ADHD. <laughs> we got spiritual ADHD. He goes on to say that the truth, the truth will help transform us. It will help grow us. Not just in one area. This is the awesome thing about truth. It won't just help grow you in one area. It will help grow you in all areas according to verse 15. When we look at verse 17, he says now, and I'm paraphrasing this in my words, now you don't walk the same as you used to walk. Ah, you don't walk the same as you used to walk. He says in verse 20, because you know different or you know better. So you have an awareness, you understand it. In verse number 22, he says, you put off. And he goes through this phrase of what you put off and what you put on, what you put off. He says, you put off former conversation. And that's not talking about cussing. <laughs> Although that's important too. <laughs> but conversation, that verse means lifestyle. You put off your former lifestyle. In verse 23, he says, now you have renewed thoughts. Renewed thoughts. Amen. Verse 24, he talks about what we put on. Then in verse 25, it tells about what we put away. So we're putting off, we're putting on, we're putting away. Amen. Verse 26, he said, here's a good indicator. He says, we don't handle anger the same way we used to handle it. Wow. In verse 32, then he follows it up. We know how to forgive. Amen. Everybody all right? Ephesians 5, just going on. He's talking about our walk. We walk in love. We prove what is acceptable in verse 10 and verse 11. We sever the ties with the old life. Verse 15, we walk carefully or that is circumspectly in verse 17. We quaint ourselves with God's will. In verse 18, we are controlled by the spirit of God that we have received. And so when we start to look at all these different things in the passages of Ephesians 4, in Ephesians 5, we understand that this going from the old man to the new man is a process. We're constantly trying to minimize the old and maximize the new man. And I, I don't know if I've kept up with my thing up here this morning, new versus old, and I haven't. Here we go. Paul describes the old life as one led by feudal minds and darkened understanding that alienates or if you will separates us from God and he spoke of some of those things that do that that keep us from moving on to becoming the new man he talked about the old way of life he talked about us being lewd us being unclean us being greedy all these different things here's something important though he even talks to us about anger all right theft evil speech listen though he's speaking to the church at Ephesus all right, he's speaking to the church at Ephesus. In other words, these were things that spirit-filled believers needed to rid from their lives. 
See, one could get caught up in leading Jesus. Oh, lewd, unclean, greedy, corrupt, lustful. My God, I'm telling you. Yeah, whenever you leave a life of sin, you need to, you need to take care. He's talking to spirit-filled people. Kind of change the dynamics just a little, don't it? Bless God, they need to get it. Spirit-filled people. Why in the world? Lewdness among, yeah, because we're in this process. We don't have it near together like we think we have it near together. We are in this process. And so Paul even explains to us that a new life, there's a new life in Ephesians 4 that is worthy of our calling. But the ultimate measure of our transformation is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Ultimately, as being disciples or followers or children of God, our ultimate goal is to imitate God in everything that we do. This is not a competition between the fellow man and so on and so forth. Real quickly, I want to go to a New Testament story. I will not have it up there. You have to go to your Bibles. Luke chapter number 18. Luke chapter number 18 and verse number 9. This is a New Testament story. And I think it illustrates good how you can get caught in forgetting what the purpose of your disciplines are. Get caught in forgetting what the purpose of your disciplines are and just get in the mode of a ritual or a habit that has no purpose. Okay, The Bible says in verse number 9 of Luke 18, it states these words, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now that's a pretty good heading. (laughs) He says, Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. It's the guy that's with him there praying. He says, look what the Pharisee says, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And then the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased and he that humbleth himself shall be Exalted. So we have two people enter into the temple as the parable goes with absolutely two different attitudes and two different pursuits as it would seem in the scripture. The Pharisees offering his prayer and saying, well, I'm glad I'm not like the adulterer or the extortioner or all this one or even, you know, old Joe Blow over here, the, 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 the publican that's standing here. And then he starts talking about his disciplines. I, I fast twice a week. I, I give tithes and, uh, that I possess. I do all of these things. So he's quite proud of that. And so, in other words, the Pharisee viewed his own life, not in comparison to God, but in comparison to his fellow man. In comparison to his fellow man. And he felt pretty satisfied bec- with himself. Because he was making the horizontal comparison and not the vertical comparison. Right? Felt good about his fasting twice a week. Because in comparison to the publican, it's good. 
give my tithes. That's good. Then when we look at the publican as he comes before the Lord, he's quite humble. The Bible says he doesn't even feel worthy to lift his eyes up toward heaven. He's pounding on his chest for mercy. And he's aware of the great distance that's truly between him, not and the Pharisee, but between him and God. And his prayer is this, Lord, I realize basically that I'm not where I need to be. I'm a sinner. I realize, you know what he's saying? I see where there can be room for improvement. I see where there can be room for improvement. And his ultimate goal, again, was to be like the Lord. And the Pharisee's goal was just to be better than the next person to him. Amen? So we got to be careful to not get caught in spiritual disciplines just to be better than the next one, maybe not that, or just be among the status quo. Well, I didn't think it was going to be this bad, but, you know, I'm trying here. I'll get my presidential patch. That'll make me feel better, I'm telling you right now. (laughs) Amen. I guess what I'm trying to say is the Pharisee was so involved in his transition exercises that he forgot the true destination to be like the Lord. If I say it like this, he had become a spiritual CrossFit competitor. Huh? I fast more than you. <laughs> I get my ties regularly, you know. What are you saying? You're getting caught up in doing the doing, but you're forgetting what the doing's purpose is. It's easy as good, mature Christians to get in that mode. Because we say, well, you know, if you, do it, if you do it long enough, it'll become a habit. I don't know if that's the correct phrase. I don't know if that's the right phrase. If you pray, you keep at it, it'll become a habit. Yeah, but what is the purpose of your habit? Just to say that it's something that you do every day? Well, God. I, you know, Brother Mason talking about, you know, my Bible reading, so on and so forth. Yeah, I have a pretty, you know, strong regimen, and I don't ask anybody to do that. But it's Professor Horner's regimen. You can look it up. You know, read about 10 chapters a day from all over in the Bible. But you know what? I'm not trying to stand up here and say, well, bless God, I do 10 chapters a day. Well, what purpose is that? We're not making tally marks on a piece of paper, and we're all in competition right here, and we got a thermometer, and whoever gets to the top wins. No, it's whenever we can get more and more like, I could read 10 chapters a day. And have a spirit of self-righteousness and not be any more like him if I didn't read it. I'm just serious. Just serious concerning the measure. So we need to keep our eyes, as our as we're labeled here today, our eyes on the prize. Amen. You need to even ask yourself sometime, you know, what, what spiritual disciplines do you practice most consistently? Which ones are you consistent with? Bible reading? Is it is it fasting? What what, what is it that you do consistently? And once you figure out what it is you do consistently, then you need to, and I mean this this morning, you need to look yourself in the face or in the mirror and you need to really ask yourself, why do I do this? Sincerely. I mean, really, really be honest with yourself. Why do I do this? If you are consistent about going to the prayer room before service, you need to ask yourself, why do I do this? And really be honest. Because if I don't, people's going to think something about me. If that is the motive, then that's an impure motive. That's an impure motive. Our motive is to be like him, to be transformed, to be like him. And so there is purpose then. 
There is purpose. We can go on. There is purpose for our disciplines or purpose for our training, purpose for our exercise. Notice again what the Bible says. But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. We are training to be godly. We are training to be godly. The spiritual disciplines that we have have a fixed and definite de- destination. Amen. We, this is not some type of, we're not some type of just spiritual trainers. All right. We're not just CrossFit trainers that are probably, we rattling off, well, I got 20 verses in this week or I prayed an hour and a half this week. No, it's so that we can become godly. So that we can become godly. Because my old man is only going to get to a new man if I continue to try to be like him. Not like Fred McGee or Pastor McGee or Bishop McGee. But if I'm trying to be like the Lord. I understand. And it's good to have heroes. Heroes even in the faith. But let not... Let not that be your goal or destination because I'll tell you this, as soon as you make some person your goal or your destination, that individual, I guarantee you, somewhere is going to fall and fail. And when they do, you're going to go with them because you had an inappropriate object as your goal and destination. But if you keep it on Christ, men and women on both sides of the fence are going to fail, but he'll never fail. And you can stay saved in a moment of someone else's failure. That's... As long as you keep the proper goal and destination in mind. There's been many people, folks, I tell you again, there's been many people that have lost out in their relationship with God because their why wasn't the Lord. Churches have fell and crumbled because people's why in the congregation was not the Lord. It was whatever charismatic leader they had before them as a pastor. You hear me? The, the, the floor dropped out beneath their feet because their object of go and destination was somewhat misplaced or skewed. We must keep our eyes on the prize. We could take, we could take a poll here this morning. You ask any mother that's sitting here over the years that they were serving very, you never stop being a mother. Please don't misunderstand me. But those years that you were in the trenches of being a mom to your children, Right. Those 20 or however many years that are around the house that you're a mom to your children. Even those early years, you know, you're, you're trying to help with homework. You're, you're refereeing with the, the, the sibling rivals and all the fights that go on. And, and, and there are some weeks, there are just some weeks, it's like, whoo. You know, you just had, you know, enough of this. I need, I need to tag out. You know, but week after week, they continued to do it. Month after month, they continued to do it. And where in the world did you find some of you people that had, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten million kids in your house? And how in the world did you just do it week after week? How in the world did you do it? And the fact of the matter is this, is because if you just got caught up in the laundry and the dishes and all of what we might call the disciplines, if you just got, if it was just all about that, and you didn't have the ultimate goal of your investing in your kid, then it would be very easy to want to tap out. But sometimes the thing that just keeps you going is that you're investing in your kid. And all of the else is just a part of the process. It's part of the transition. And, you know, sometimes, 
even as parents, people get in that competition mode in the things. I did four loads of laundry. Well, I got to do five loads of laundry every day. No one's going to help me here. I understand. I understand. I'll tell you what, I got to clean my house twice a day, morning and night, and I pick up every need. Well, that ain't nothing. And then there's somebody else over here that, man, they're just glad that they even have a house after that day that they can live in. You understand what I'm saying? It's not about competition and what's being done. They're invested in the kids. Someone say amen. Oh, God, help me. There was a uh, French Air Force pilot, writer and poet, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. You don't remember that name? I don't even want to say it again. Famously penned this, though. This is what he said. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men together wood, divide the work, and give orders. He says, if you want to build a ship, don't do that. He said, instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. So don't gather them and tell them what to do. If you put a desire in them for the sea, then all of the work involved in order to build the ship will be there because their ultimate goal was to be upon the waves of a glistening sea. Don't get their mind set on the work. Get their mind set upon what the privilege of what the work's going to bring to them. We, 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 and I, I'd say sometimes maybe I, I even get it wrong up here that I'm someone, you, you, gotta, you need to pray and you need to fast. And we do need to do those things. But sometimes I need to cast your eyes about streets of gold and gates of pearl and tell you about where we're going. That's just a process to get us there. We can get some town down in the muck and the mire of the process that we lose the destiny. And that's largely what happened to children of Israel in their years of wandering and not even wanting to go into the promised land. They just say, man, we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to do this and that. Yeah, but don't forget a man that a land that flows with milk and honey. Don't forget you're going to have homes there, not tents to live in. Don't forget. You understand what I'm saying today? We are on a journey. We are pilgrims and strangers in this process right now. This is just a blip on the radar. Whenever this is said and done, day honey, we got a destination. We got to go. We got a prize. That's how the apostle Paul said. I keep my eyes. I press toward the mark of the high calling, the prize. The Bible says Jesus, huh? For that, for the joy that was set before him endured the shame. If he had got his eyes on the process, how discouraging. But his eyes was upon the joy that was set before him. What are you saying this morning? I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, lift your eyes above the process. Lift your, you know, parents, you got to lift it above the dirty laundry and the dishes and all the headache and you're going to have a model, perhaps good adult someday. But for us, the goal is, I'm, gonna, I'm praying and I'm passing, I'm, yeah, but lift your eyes. It's to the saving of your soul, to the saving of your children, to the rapture of the church. Keep your eye on the prize. because it is that it is that that will help re-energize your efforts whenever they feel depleted I've already done 15 loads of laundry for this kid anything that they touch they put in the laundry 
Because it's easier than folding it up or putting on a hanger. Huh? It's like, shoo. It's in those moments. You got to picture them walking down the aisle with someone that they've stayed pure with. What are you saying? You got, it's sometimes the purpose, the destiny that can revitalize and re-strengthen you. But if you don't have that ultimate goal, you hearing me? If you don't have that ultimate eye of the prize, you can be overwhelmed with the present transition, the present work, the present whatever it may be. Huh? And the munition of just whatever, you know, I've seen here along the way, uh, Brother Fred McGee work on his truck here and there, you know. Man, there's a lot of work involved in that. But whenever that thing's said and done and finished, that's the go. Why do you still go out there and you wet sand that again and you give that another coat? You straighten this out and do that. You do electrical. Why? Because it's not the moment that keeps him doing that. Although he may like and enjoy that to a certain degree. But ultimately, someday that thing's going to be finished. It's the finished result. And so it's the finished result that gives us energy even in the now, in the process. Amen. And so we must have that in order to be able to continue. Amen. Don't be laughing. I'm trying to get us done by quarter after today. Because I know we have other pastor appreciation things to do. I got time. I mean, go get a sip of water. What we come to realize in the different examples even that we've had today, the workers that's getting on the shore, the parents raising their kids, what we come to realize is this, is that the day-to-day necessities or the day-to-day obligations, putting the boat together, doing the laundry, the chores and everything, with the homework, you know, keeping them, stop arguing, all this stuff, that the day-to-day, even church life, the day-to-day obligations are just merely what we come to recognize necessary. But I say necessary. Necessary components toward the overall goal. The overall goal. See where I'm at? I'm, I'm just lingering on it. Though disciples are in pursuit of spiritual and eternal goals, we remain limited by our temporal human frailties. What's that mean for a spiritual application? For practical, it means mom and dads are going to get overwhelmed. You know what it means? Not every day you live on this green earth are you going to want to do the disciplines. Because we have the spirit of Christ, as the apostle said, in an earthen vessel. Or earthen vessel. And so there are days we are going to be overwhelmed just in the ordinary things of life. And it's going to have impact upon our regular devotion practices to the Lord. There are times, I, maybe this is too transparent today, but there are times some of those things are going to feel very mundane to you. 
you will not have the thrill of the moment in your prayer closet. Coming, and I am please, I just want to identify with someone here this morning. There's going to be times you come to church and it's going to be more of a drudgery than it is like, oh boy, let's go to church. Amen. Church service is going to go by and you're going to be like, whew, well, that was an hour and a half of my time. I'm just, I'm just saying what somebody has thought somewhere along the way at some time or another or has contended with. That is absolutely true. But again, we have to be renewed. We've got to be renewed by our purpose. It's not about what I'm feeling or not feeling in the moment. It's about what is my purpose. What is the ultimate goal? Today, it might feel like I was scraping, you know, gum off the bottom of the seat, you know, concerning this matter. But what is your ultimate go? Because there's times you're going to sit in service and the songs that they are singing are just going to be words to a tune in your ears. And that's as high as it's going to get for you. Amen. Amen. But whenever you connect that those words help in, bring you into the presence of God, we've got we to keep our goal. Sometimes prayer might just seem like an endless list of I need and I want. Right? Amen. But when we realize that, that we're, we're no closer, as I preached a few Sunday nights ago, that we're no closer to the presence of the Lord than when we enter in that place of prayer. Amen. When we recognize that, you know, the word of God is more than just words on a page, but there's actual strength that is derived from that, knowledge that's derived from that that can help us in our lives and the lives of our children. There is, we got to keep the eye on the prize. No man ever hit a mark that he wasn't aiming for. Let me say that again. No man never hit a mark that he wasn't aiming for. I think I told, I told a long time ago, and this was in the Olympics, and it was one of those um, various uh, segments of a, uh, an Olympic thing where they shoot, uh, they, they shoot and they do other things along the way. Well, this gentleman, he's an Olympian. He got there, only had just a little bit of time. He shot, hit the bullseye, but the problem was he hit the bullseye on his next-door neighbor's lane. It wasn't the one in his lane. He was spot on. <laughs> he hit the mark where he was aiming. So you can be spot on and still be spot off. It's all about where you're aiming. Amen. And so it's to keep our eyes, our target, sure, on the right, on the right prize. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in this Ephesians 4, 13 and 15. I don't have it up there for you. He says, this was his goal. And, he, and Paul did this. If you read through the epistles, he repeatedly did this for the churches. He made their goal Jesus Christ. Coming to the completion of their discipleship and their journey, Jesus Christ. And he wanted to make sure that the churches got that right. He said in Ephesians 4, 13, he says, Till we all come in the unity of the flesh and the knowledge of of the Son of God unto a perfect man, which means a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him, Jesus Christ, in all things, which is the head even Christ. 
even Christ. Now, with that being said this morning, I want to say this. It is important. I think this will help all of us. That it is important along the way in the transition from old man to new man in this walk for Christ. It is important that at certain mile markers, whenever you feel like you've achieved something in your journey, you need to pause and take time to celebrate it. You need to take time to stop and celebrate it. If it's a long, I mean, look at everything he was talking to the Ephesian church, spirit-filled believers that they were still contending with. Whenever you get victory over some of those things, then you need to stop and celebrate it. If, if, if you've been in church for so many years, and, and I, I know, I don't believe I embarrass her in doing this, Sister Sarah with, with smoking, and then two, it's been now over two years ago, four, see, Three, three years ago, whenever that took place, you know what she needed to do? Stop and celebrate it. Absolutely. Stop and celebrate. Because you need to have some mile markers along the way that whenever you cast your eyes backward, you just don't see the past, but you see what you've overcome from the past. You need to, that's the reason why Joshua, before they ever entered in, he says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to build a memorial right here. Why are you building a memorial? He said, because I know what's going to happen. We're going to start going in the land, and we're going to have some battles. This is a time of conquest. We're going to face some enemies, and there's going to be some battles. He says, you need to be able to cast your eyes across the Jordan, see a memorial here, and say, this is where we said we're going to go on for the Lord. We're going to forget to think this. You need something that's going to remind you and help say, hey, I had a victory right there, and, I, and that should help just me be ready for the next memorial I can build and say, you know what, there's another notch on my belt. There's nothing wrong with celebrating those things. We don't need to wait till heaven to celebrate it. We need to celebrate the journey. Celebrate the process. If you used to, you all the time had cuss words sneaking out your mouth and finally you got to a place that's not happening anymore, you need to celebrate that. If you had problem with alcohol, but you got it down just to drinking a little bit before night, you need to celebrate that. You say, well, Brother McGee, I'm telling you, you need to celebrate it. Hallelujah. And I tell you right now, you come tell me, I'm going to help celebrate with you. You need to celebrate it. Because we need to appreciate, you need to appreciate. We are intimidated about where we still need to go sometimes. And we've lost savoring of where we've come from. We'll throw them the towel over us seeing, man, I still got a long way to go. But it's important every once in a while to turn around and say, my Lord. This is where I was. And this is where I, I still have a long ways to go maybe, but look at where I was. Huh? Look at where. That's right, the apostle, he's talking about those that were without God and without citizenship and without this and without that. And then he said, but God. And whenever God came in their life, what are they saying? Now I have citizenship. Now, now I have this. Where they, they're looking back where they were and where they are. And they still, yes, had a journey in front of them, but they weren't minimizing where they had come from. And that's important. Don't let the where you need to get to be so intimidating that you forget how much the Lord has helped you on the trip thus far. Have those memorials. I've overcame that. I've overcame that. I got better here. I'm a little bit. I still need to get better, but I've, 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 I've made progress. Pro progress. 
I've still got journey to go. Ask yourself your question. Are you in the exact same place concerning whatever that item may be where you were when you first started with the Lord? Because that's the tell. If you're in the exact same place where you were when you first started with the Lord. But if you can see that there are some increments and some places, feet or if miles, however it may be, where you've made progress, you need to say victory. Amen. Because the fact of the matter is this. None of us have our post box set up at the gates of heaven just waiting for the rapture for it to open. It's not like we'd already be there if they had had the gates open. Man, stand with me this morning. Brown's over there getting nervous. He didn't really know I had it in me to do it. I wiped the sweat off your forehead too. <laughs> Eyes on the prize. So practice makes perfect progress, as we've been saying around here. Are there spiritual disciplines to attend to? Yes. But don't just get caught up in the doing that you miss the purpose. You miss the purpose. You know, we're going we're gonna to fall on over here into a new year, and we're going to take a week out as we normally do for, for dis- disconnecting from media and have prayer here at the church. That's, that, that must be more than just a week on the calendar, all right? And a process, well, that's what our church does every January. You've got to connect to the purpose. You've got to connect to the purpose in order for there to be a real meaning for your life. And for that matter, to drive then the action of doing it whenever you keep the purpose. I find out in those times, man, I tell you what, that's, that for me, that is a real good hard reset button for the new year in my life. No one else, it is a real good hard reset button for me, uh, for my own personal life. Amen. Let's bow our heads just here this morning. And I'm just talking to everybody today. If anybody would like to have a place to pray in your seat or out the altar this morning. You know, God, I know. Here's the fact of the matter for many people. Seldom do you really have to tell somebody that they still have X, Y, and Z and further to go. There may be exceptions to that rule. By and large, people know exactly where they are. Whether admittedly or unadmittedly maybe sometimes unadmittedly but they know but sir or ma'am please and this is my I'm imploring you today please allow the successes and the victories to propel you forward for the next mile of the trip and keep your eyes on the prize because you can get you can get bent over with having failed today or tomorrow. You can, you can be knocked down on, flat on your back for having failed in a day or even a week to the place you just wipe your hands up and say, well, Fooey, I might as well not even try. I've heard that more than one time in my life. I might as well not even try. Okay, that was a day. That was a week. But we're talking about an overall span of a thing. We're talking about a destination. Talking about a destination which relies upon more than just being successful every day. But along the way, how we respond and react to the times we do fail. 
You know what? There's been a many a runner that has fallen during the race. Fallen during the race. But they completed the race because they got back up after they fell. So it's not like, well, I'm just fully on it. There's no use in trying. Yes, there is. I'm convinced that you can complete this thing. I'm convinced this morning as the pastor of this assembly that you can, can, you can complete this thing even though somewhere between the start line and the finish line you've made some failures. Can we raise our hands right now to the Lord? God, I need you today. God, I pray, oh Lord, for this group of people that's before me this morning. God, we are imperfect people. We are imperfect people, and sometimes, Lord, our trajectory from day to day and our past from day to day, Lord, sometimes are imperfect. But we have a perfect God, Lord, and we're trying to keep our eyes focused on that. We're trying to keep our goal focused upon that, and we are endeavoring to live our lives in such a way that it is pleasing to the Lord, and we grow up into the Lord. Help us, O oh Lord Jesus, today not to let a moment's failure mean, Lord God, total abandonment, Lord Jesus, God of the go of our destination. Help us, O oh Lord, to, Lord, wipe ourselves off, dust ourselves off, Lord, with a true spirit of sincerity ask for forgiveness God and take another step tomorrow God let me Lord not allow today to define Lord Jesus the total outcome I pray oh Lord today I know you'll help me in that matter because you want to see us Lord Jesus reach our goal you want us Lord God to reach our purpose I know God you're fighting for me the Bible says there was in this race that Paul spoke of a great cloud of witnesses it's people Lord that had already run the race and finished their course already dead people the great patriarchs of old that already done this thing they're cheering us on they know their struggles they know there's time that we'll be overwhelmed they'll feel like we're Lord just just among the mundane but God if we'll just keep on keeping on we can and shall make heaven our home someday Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.